For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. One year ago, the New York State AFL-CIO created a social justice task force to serve as a forum for frank and honest dialogue and, more importantly, a vehicle for real and meaningful change to make our society and our movement more equitable and just for New Yorkers of color. Today, I'm honored to have as a guest on our podcast a member of the task force, CSEA Executive Vice President Denise Berkeley. Denise, thank you for coming on the program. Thank you. So I introduced you as a member of the state AFL-CIO Social Justice Task Force, but you're also a member of the State Federation's Executive Council. Yes. And beyond that, you're a longtime union activist and a member of AFSCME's Racial Equity Committee. And you wear many other hats, including being a member of the Coalition of Black Trade Unionists, CBTU. So again, welcome with all those hats. (laughs) Um, You've done a lot of work in the struggle for social, racial, and economic justice already, and there's much more to do. So when we talk to other union members, union leaders, community members, how do you define what that struggle is? You know, I, I, good afternoon, and it's a pleasure and an honor and a blessing to be here. It, it's more when I look at it and when I've talked with members and community activists, it's like wanting us to have a more perfect union. It's defining how, what our union should be and what it should look like, meaning creating a brave, a brave space when members can come in and talk, mm-hmm. have honest dialogue, like we've talked about with the New York State AFL-CIO mm-hmm. task force, about having diversity, that we want to increase racial diversity within our unions. Talk about justice, to strengthen the ability of all parts of the union to advance racial equity. Mm-hmm. Inclusion, so, so important. Mm-hmm. That people are valued, their voices are heard, and their voices are respected. So when I think about that more perfect union, to me, those avenues, they resonate with that, that this is what racial equity is about. It's like having a more perfect union where everyone Mm -hmm. is included, everyone is involved, everyone has a seat at the table, and everyone's voice is heard. So when we talk about that more perfect union, or what about labor's role in addressing racial equity? And why is it so important that labor takes the lead on this? Labor has to take the lead in terms of, even if we look at population, we look at membership, a lot of the members, new members, those joining the unions are minorities, people of color. And so labor has to be instrumental in making sure that the union movement is a place of racial equity. Everyone is included. Everyone is valued. Everyone has a seat at that table. Can you talk to me a little bit about what CSEA specifically is doing in terms of social justice and racial equity? CSEA has been really on a positive level for many, many years in reference to. And CSEA, we do one, we have a program called a LEAD program, which is a leadership program. And we have, we call it honor, Honoring Diversity, Many Peoples, Many Cultures, One Union. Remember that? We're talking about a more perfect Mm -hmm. union, one union. Mm -hmm. And CSA is very instrumental with all new leaders. We do a program in reference to racial equity under this type of terminology. So we do that with all of our leaders. We have a minority advisory group that advises the president, President Mary Sullivan, on what areas we should be addressing Mm -hmm. in reference to racial equity. 
We also have a human rights committee that deals with the hiring in terms of people of color within the union mm-hmm. and also studies and watch our hiring patterns, how we can be more inclusive. Right. That diversity is so important. So if you're important. going to have that, that point of view at the table. Absolutely. So what about in your role as chairman of AFSCME's Racial Equity Committee? What are some of the issues you've addressed there? And and then I and then I want to ask you something else beyond that. But what at the national level has been going on? We we're trying to come up with something that in, in the entire our ASME internet our national union mm-hmm. can address. We want conversations to be ongoing. We want among members and board members to have those discussions to help the affiliates and other ASME affiliates how to bring this even in contract language. Mm-hmm. How to have those discussions, um, support from the staff in reference to racial equity, and formal and informal conversations, that brave space, that safe space, one-on-one conversations. What our challenges are, because we're trying to look at the positive and what the challenges are, how to have a free speech, you know, the way the culture is now. Can we have those honest dialogues without commotion and everything going on in the room? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes lack of experience. How do you approach? How do we come come up with some type of construct in dealing with racial equity? Mm-hmm. Um, also, how do we have that share affiliates work together in terms of best practices on what we're doing in reference to racial equity with the New York State AFL mm-hmm. Social Justice Tax Force? We're talking about that. How the best practices, how we can incorporate that other unions and other affiliates mm-hmm. can learn of, from the best practices or past pra- practices that we have. Right. So we, those are the conversations, because you know, right now you have the whole issue with the critical race theory. Mm-hmm. That whole how we can have these dialogues that it's not about that. It's speaking about how inclusive union, having the dialogues, and that we can have free conversations where we can talk with each other. And even if I may not understand what's taking place, we can have those dialogues. So it's so important to have those brave, safe spaces that we can have that. And the union movement, to me, is one of the best avenues that we can do that. So let me ask you, do you draw from your own personal experience being a woman of color at a high-ranking level within a union, a large union, CSEA? Do you, um, when you're sharing experiences, do you draw from anything personally to, to make people understand maybe what it took for you to, to be at the I summit? do because I, I, I'm rare. I live in two places. I live in East New York, Brooklyn, and I live here in Albany, New York. And, and that's why when I, was, when I came on the, the New York State, our AFL, our task force, mm-hmm. our committee. I'm coming from two different paradigms, mm-hmm. two different worlds, so to speak. And even, so for me, I'm from the issue of policing was so major. I know Mario would know. <laughs> so could I, could we bring, have that question up? Well, that was one of the first issues the task force addressed, yes. right, was the policing. And Mario was great in reference to that because I'm coming from a different world where policing sometimes is not looked at in a positive light experience that I experienced. And so it was good to be on the task force to hear from Timothy Diamond because he represents the police, police investigators of New York, New York State. State. Right. And it was an eye opener for me because mm-hmm. I had to look and listen, like we're talking about brave spaces, to have real dialogues, to learn from him 
how policing from his eyes, because he represents those workers. Mm -hmm. And it was enlightening for me. I thought that you shared some stories from what you experienced in Brooklyn. Um, Am I right? Yes, I did. Can you tell us a little bit about what you wanted the committee to know from your own perspective? I saw when I lived in Brooklyn, they had a point where I saw you can be walking down the street. And that's when they had they would stop you and search you for no apparent reason Mm -hmm. because you may look at a stereotype. And I saw ministers from my church who were, they they would stop you, take everything out of your pockets, take everything out of everything. And you cannot say anything. You you can say, I'm a minister, I'm someone from the community. And just that lack of respect. Mm -hmm. And how I saw when I live in Brooklyn, the police don't speak to you. They don't say good morning or good afternoon unless sometimes you say good morning or good afternoon. That's interesting. So it's a whole different style of policing. And so I'm coming in from that background because I'm from East New York. Mm-hmm. And I'm and, and I'm saying I'm seeing policing. So I understand when many of the communities say we want to be respected. We want to be treated as a human being. And so that perspective I was coming from. So Timothy, he, he helped me because he spoke about the issues that they are dealing with mm-hmm. and how to confront this whole issue with policing in New York State. And that's an issue that we're talking about throughout the country. Did you think, did any, does anything come to mind in particular when he was addressing the group that kind of made you step back and say, you know, oh, you know, I get it. Because I, I know some of the things we were talking about, there's that natural, uh, the defund police. Yes. When people talk about that and what does that really mean? And, you know, addressing things like qualified immunity. And it, it, we, we, we had extensive conversations on that. Mm-hmm. And I love when he we spoke about, because I know that thing about defunding the police. People are not saying that. They're saying that we need to put resources in other ways, in dealing with mental illness in dealing with what I spoke about even with schools and all of those areas that policing should be, maybe someone else can go in. Mm-hmm. And he even addressed that there's some issues that the police are dealing with mm-hmm. and how do they deal with also the, the stress of their jobs and, and also dealing with mental issues. Right. So how do we, so we're seeing some correlation here. Mm-hmm. And so it was an eye open for me because when he spoke, I was like, first when he spoke, I'm like, oh, you know, but I'm listening. Because that's part of what we have to do if we want to do racial equity work. We have to listen. And I listened, and I'm like, wait a minute. There's some parallels here. We can learn from each other. Mm -hmm. We need more dialogues like this, I said, in our communities. Because many times when we see the police, we see it as a negativity. But like how I know Terry spoke about in one of the AFL, one of our meetings. Terry Melvin, our secretary treasurer. Secretary treasurer. That we can have community dialogues where we can set this up in the community. Because I remember at my church, what I used to love, they used to invite the 75th precinct, it's the precinct in, in the East New York community where I live. And they would come to the church and we would try to have the dialogue with young men mm-hmm. and with the congregation. So I think we need more of that. With the police with actually the police coming in there? Coming in and right. having these dialogues. A comfortable place for the community members to Comfortable make, space, right. safe space that mm-hmm. we can be able to talk without things getting crazy, but we can hear and listen to each other. I think it's so, so crucial. I believe we have to do it with the union members and we have to do it in the community. Um, one of the other things that was talked about, I know, on our task force was the diversity in within union leadership. Yes. Um, why do you, you know, where where are we with that and trying to change that? I mean, it sounds like at CSEA, you know, you've, you've, we, you're doing quite well. We, we're doing quite well with that. In fact, I was the first statewide officer, African-American person. 
And now we have a second one who's a statewide officer. And all the unions are looking at how do we diversify leadership? How do we bring younger leaders and people of color mm -hmm. in the fold of leadership? I think it's crucial on all levels in all unions. So that dialogue is happening right now. So as part of that, we're um, involved with training and, and trying to, and getting younger people involved, I would imagine, too, and that trust of, you know, you do want to come up through the ranks, right? You are going to be heard. You will have this platform. Is that part of it, trying to bring people in and, and kind of convince them of that and let them know those opportunities that's, opportunities exist? That's a major part of it, a mentoring, of, of speaking, encouraging, all of those areas we're trying to do because it's so important for the future, even the labor movement. And for the future, we got to have everybody at the table. And you need to hear the, all of those voices represented. And so we are really, really pushing it. Ask me is pushing that, looking at all aspects of our entire union in terms of diversity. Well, I know our president of the New York State AFL-CIO, Mario Salento, and our secretary treasurer, Terry Melvin, are very happy and grateful that you've committed the time on the task force because it is a big chunk of time. Um, the, the meetings can go long, but I think it's good because people, they don't seem to get tired of it or frustrated. There's more and more stories that come out, like you said, and listening to one another. And it seems very, very productive. So um, my final question really for you is just, are you hopeful that um, – uh, that we're on a, a path of change. Are you yes. hopeful for the future? Yes, I, I, I'm very hopeful. I'm very hopeful. I'm, I'm glad that they brought a recommendation about the ALS and the CLCs, that we need to have those dialogues also. And that's our area labor area, fed, federations and our central labor councils, councils, which are all over the state, right. It's important to have the dialogue. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm hopeful because, it's, I tell you, it's a more perfect union. This is the type of union that we envision. So we look back, I'm, I'm always a visionary. So I'm going to say, well, what we're going to look at, we're going, we in 2021, I'm talking about 2041, that what type of union we're going to have. Mm -hmm. And we are preparing the way now. And if we have those safe spaces, those safe dialogues, honest dialogues, bringing everybody in the table from the police unions, everybody that have this dialogue, we will be a more perfect union. And I'm looking at now 2041. <laughs> That's awesome. Very good. Well, Denise Berkeley, the executive vice president of CSEA, thank you for being our guest on the Union Strong podcast. We appreciate oh, it. Oh, it was an honor. Being and we here. appreciate you. Thank you. Joining me now on the podcast is our digital director and the editor of Union Strong podcast, Kevin Einsman. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Darcy. So it was nice to have Denise here in person, first of all, because we, we certainly have missed that. Denise had some, some really good things to share, and you know I loved what she talked about um, listening and what you can get from people listening to other people and other points of view. And then, you know she mentioned Tim Diamond, mm -hmm. uh, the president of NYSPEA. So it was, it was really nice to hear how powerful that can be. Yeah, and, and one of the things that you know is coming out of that, that listening and, and talking to each other and having these conversations is, uh, we we talked with all our ALFs and CLCs, and uh, you know Terry and uh, us are going to be leading discussions around the state with and, each. And Terry, our secretary treasurer, right? Right, are going to be uh, uh, leading discussions around the state. We're going to be doing trainings on uh, racial, social, economic justice, uh, and and having that conversation. So as you know, the committees formed. We did the scholarship. That's going well. We have our our lead scholar at Cornell. Uh, they're doing great. And that's for somebody to come in um, from a more diverse background to be able right. to learn to become a leader. In and, and giving them that direct, you know, pipeline into the leadership program. Mm -hmm. 
And now we're doing the trainings around the state with the Allison CLCs. So as the the committee gets together and comes up with ideas and they talk about discussions, they're being implemented around the state. And it's really good to see that constant progress moving forward. Absolutely. Well, it's good to see you too, Kevin. Good to see you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Union Strong podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe and give us a rating. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State Union strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.